You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. It's good to gather. Amen. And, uh, and maybe you feel like you almost have to reintroduce yourselves to one another. We're just kind of like in this bizarre time, right? And, and it's like, I, I was thinking about when, when it came to what to preach on this morning, of course, the original plan was like, let's get into Proverbs. And I'm really excited about getting into Proverbs this summer. It's going to be a great study. And as we look at the wisdom that God gives us in the book of Proverbs, I hope that as a result of our study in it, this is the goal, just so we understand, the goal of it is that we look more like Jesus as a result of our study, Right? Like we're not getting wise just for the sake of being wise. We study God's word so that we might look more like him. That we might know, okay, what is it God calls us to do when it comes to things like parenting? When it comes to things like uh, anger? What's he, what's he asked for us? What, he, what is he asking us to do in regards to money? Like we're going to cover all these topics as we go through this summer. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, I need wisdom, Right? Like, like, I feel like that more right now than maybe ever in my entire life, right? Like, we had the whole COVID thing, and now, now we got um, all kinds of racial stuff going on, on the, and, and it's making us think as well. Like, okay, what, what does the Bible say about that? What is our position on these things? And we want to present them in a God-glorifying way. And, and then, like, who knows what the next thing is, right? Like, they're talking like Yellowstone Park. Maybe the, you know, volcano's just going to go up, and we'll, anyway, I don't know, All right. But, with, but here's, here's the thing I want us to encourage with. God knows. God knows, and we keep our eyes on him, and he will direct us. And so we're going to be studying the book of Proverbs. But today, as I said at the beginning of the service, why do we do this? Like, why come together? What's the point, right? I think today is a great day to stop and just ask ourselves that question. Like, by the way, I would, just, I would commend that to you right now in this phase of your life, Ask yourselves the question, why do we do what we do, right? Now, everything basically stopped for a lot of us, right? Like, like we, we, you, got, you had your kid in this, and you had your kid in that, and whatever, and it's like, that's all canceled now, right? You're going to sit at home and bake bread, apparently, um, right? That, that was what everyone was doing. So, but, but something stopped, new things began, Right? There were some new things you started doing as a result of your being, good things you started doing as a result of your time at home. And now we're kind of re-entering society again, right? And I want you to stop and think about everything in your life. Should we keep doing the things that we were doing? Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't good, right? And maybe some things need to die and some things that were, were brought to life during the COVID time. Well, I guess we're still in the COVID time, but I guess the isolation time, Right? Maybe, maybe, maybe those things need to continue. And so just taking stock of all of these things in our life, and I want us to do that as a church about this idea of gathering together. Now, I, I've called the service of this sermon the indispensability of gathering. That indispensability, it's the absolutely necessary, essential, or requisite in, in that it is incapable of being disregarded or neglected. That word essential. We've heard that word a fair amount, right? The last uh, three and a half months, essential. 
Now, the government had this impossible task of saying what's essential and what's not essential. And, and so they said, food, that's essential, right? And we were like, amen, that's a good thing. Let's keep having food. That's a really good thing, right? And, and so the grocery stores remained open. And then there were some other things that were, you know, kind of called essential. They were like, I don't know that we need cannabis, you know, like, uh, anyway, but whatever. Okay, so there was some, but, but one of the things that was impacted was that the church was seen as not essential, and we understand why, right? We understand they had to control the, the crowds and all that, and we, we had, I mean, they were, they were dealing with like this much information, and so that's what we did. And we, we, we as a church said, we're going to do what it says in the Bible, 1 Peter 2, Romans 13, we're going to follow our government, and, and we're going to honor them by doing that. And, and so that's been our policy through this whole time, trying to bring honor to the government, trying to fulfill what it says in 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it to be an emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. They're trying, their, their whole point was that they were trying to fulfill what they're called to do, to protect the people. And so we want to affirm that. Amen. Protect the people. And, and even, even in an ironic kind of way, that the, there's, this, there's this whole evaluation of life that's went up in this last three and a half months that usually we've kind of seen the world kind of devalue life. Now there's this re-emphasis on the value of life. We don't want to you know, disregard that. That's a good thing. And then we want to do what it says in 1 Peter 2.17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. And so we felt like the loving thing was to stay home, and so we did that. But now the messaging is to stay safe. And so that's why you're seated the way you're seated. And as you go to the grocery store, you look for the dots and, and all that kind of stuff, right? We're, trying, we're in this phase of stay safe, and, and Lord willing, someday this will all be over. Amen? For sure, we know that, you know, as believers, we're going to be in glory someday, and there's definitely not going to be any dots there, right? So, but, um, but, you know, that's part of the stress. Like, how much longer, right? God knows. And so we look to him in, in this time, and we, we seek to be honoring to him. So why gather like this? There's surely a lot better preachers than this preacher, why not just find your favorite preacher on a Sunday morning, put him on, and then, you know, find your favorite worship team, have a little bit of time like that, and then call her good. Why is it that we do this? Why is it for the last 2,000 years, people in danger of them losing their lives have done this? Why is it that even today, and long after COVID's done, there'll be churches who will gather who won't sing because if they sing, someone will hear them, report them, and they will be thrown in jail or killed. Like, I want us to even just stop and think about that for a minute, right? Like, anyone have a tough time not singing, like, on that song? Like, oh, yeah, wait, we're supposed to, not. okay, right? But, but, but for some people, that's the survival. And, and yet they still gather together. Why? Why do we do this? Well, I want us to look at three areas of why we do this gathering together. The first, I want us to see the basis of regathering. What is the basis of regathering? 
Well, let's just start by recognizing that we're all physical beings, right? Genesis 1 and 2, God created, and when he created, he created us in a physical world with physical, as physical beings, right? You have sight, you have uh, touch, you have taste, you have, right, hearing, you have all these, like, God has made us to interact with the world in a physical way, and those, those senses he's given us are, are to be used for his glory and for his honor. Amen? Like as we view things, we can, you know, uh, someone just sent me a picture of the mountains yesterday. They were out hiking. Like when you're out there, you can't help but say like, there is a God and he is awesome. Right? And, and even the storms that we've had as of late. I mean, just a reminder of God's incredible power. And so with our sight, we see him. But, but, Staring at a screen wasn't the same, was it, as this? It's just not. We weren't created to stare at screens. We were created to come together. We we, we long for the touch, right? You know, to be able to shake a hand, to hug, like to show one another we care and love one another. Uh, That's a good thing and we long for that. We ought to long for that. That that day will come. The taste thing, I think that might have been on steroids during this last three and a half months, right? Like, there's, the, you know, COVID-19. Well, there's a lot of people put at least a COVID-15 on. Maybe not 19, but, right? Like, there's, there, there's, there's been a lot, you know. So, but, but there's that. There's hearing, which obviously we're able to do with the online thing. But, but again, to gather is a special thing. And I think this whole idea of isolation, being apart from one another, has never been a good thing, right? Even think about in Genesis 2, God said, he seen Adam and he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. And so he created Eve to have companionship with Adam. There was, a, there was a guy in 2018, I don't know if you guys heard about this, there was a guy for $100,000 said, I can be in isolation in a dark room. So here's the parameters. He would, completely dark room, it's a small room, had a bed, had a fridge, had a bathroom. For $100,000, he said, I could do that. I could last 30 days to do that. He lasted 20 days, Right? He negotiated, apparently got some money out of it still, but he, 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 um, he couldn't last 30 days. He had all, he, you know, he had the food, he had everything he needed, but he couldn't last. He was starting to have hallucinations. He, he, he was, he was, he's, he's having issues sleeping properly. Sarita Robinson, she did this article on people who have been isolated in different places, and they, they're saying like, even like, you know, yeah, anyone see that movie Castaway, right? You know, and, and he, makes the, he makes this volleyball into his new best friend called Wilson, right? They said that's common. People making up friends when they're in isolation because they just psychologically, they, they lose it if they don't have that. And then she said this, and I thought this was interesting, just kind of giving us some some maybe some perspective where we're at right now. 
that, I, that, that people who had prolonged isolation had, they were, had less capability of dealing with stressful situations. I kind of wonder if what we're seeing, especially in America right now, is part of this, like, it was this like the perfect storm, right? And, and, um, and so they're, they're less capable of dealing with stressful situations. She went on to say that people isolated are also more likely to be depressed and have problems processing information. And I just think it's good for us to remember that, that God wants this to be happening. He's created for this to be happening, where we would gather together. And I, and I want us to pull it over just for a minute because I don't know about you, but the last 20 years, my life has been changing drastically because of technology, right? Now, I'm even hearing companies are saying, you know what, continue to work from home. You know, right? we're, just, we're just, you know, we'll, you, the Zoom thing worked. Well, it might have worked from the bottom line, but I don't know how it's going to work for people after a while because when, it's, when, we're, when we're doing things digitally, it is not the same. It's just not the same. And I want to encourage us to be thinking about that particular area of our life when it comes to your doing life to say, hey, is this having a negative impact on my life and my Christian walk in particular? Carl Truman says this, when it comes to the digital world, the language of friendship is hijacked and cheapened by the internet social networks. The language of Facebook both reflects and encourages childishness. Childishness, he writes, has become something of a textually transmitted disease. Why does he say childishness? Because of what is most characteristic of a child is complete self-centeredness. When you're online, it's so easy to kind of put off a persona about, oh, this is who I am. And, and, and you know, and, and to really keep everyone like this. He goes on to say, such are human amoebas subsisting in a bizarre non-world that involves no risk to themselves, no giving of themselves to others, no true vulnerability, no commitment, no sacrifice, no real meaning, and no value. And I think there's some attraction to having digital, digital friendships, digital world, because the risk is a lot less. But that's not the way God created us to be. As we, can, as we go through the, the different texts this morning, we're going to see that that's not the way God created it to be. Now, how many of you dated long distance? Anyone date long distance? Okay. Some of us, right? Now, what did that consist of? Now, I don't know when, you, you know when that was, but for us, for Heather and I, it was a lot of phone calls, right? There was no Zoom. There was no Skype. So there was a lot of high phone bills at the time, okay? And we would talk, and we, we did the best that we could, right? Because we were separated. Do you think for a moment I would want to go back to that versus what I have now? Right? Like, There'd be no, there's no competition, right? Being face-to-face -face versus over a screen, over, like, so just in that context, right? Like, it's not, it's not, not even close to the same. And so, again, I want to encourage us that, that although we did the best we could the last 14 weeks, right? We did the best we could, and God used it in our lives, this is still so much better, why does, why does it that God wants us to come together in this way? Well, let's just think about some of the ways he has described 
the church. First, he refers to the church as the body of Christ. Pastor Michael this morning read that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26, that we are the body of Christ. Each one of you are members of the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body, and then each one of us has a role, has a part in the body of Christ. We've talked about this in the past, right? Every part of the body doing its part is really important for the health of the body. One part of your body isn't doing something, it impacts what? The whole body. And so as a whole, when we don't gather together, when we live in isolation from one another, it hurts the whole body of Christ. But it is deadly deadly serious for that part of the body that's not a part of the body, right? Did a little research. Organs. You can have an organ outside the body anywhere from a few hours to up to a day and a half, obviously using ice and all those kinds of things, right? Okay? That's the max on those things. You lose a finger or a toe, you got about 12 hours to get it reconnected to the body, you lose an appendage of another kind, like, like, like about six hours, right? You lose a part of your leg, whatever, six hours to get it reattached. Or else what? It dies. In the same way, spiritually, we die spiritually when we don't gather together as the body of Christ. I love the analogy that Christ gives us, that, that, that it is, is really important that we work together as a whole, and really, the, the, as I've been going, as I've been studying this week, I've just been thinking about my North American experience of church versus what I see in the Bible. And you would think that church is an individual thing. That, that you know, we, maybe I'll show up, maybe I won't show up, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. And, and, but that's not in the Scripture. The Scripture is like, you are like this together. Whether you like it or not, right, you're like this together. Uh, I've been, uh, this is an audio book uh, that I've been going through right now. It's called Life Together by Bonhoeffer. And he said this, The physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. A physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. How in inexhaustible are the riches that open up for those who by God's will are privileged to live in the daily fellowship of life with other Christians. He wrote, let him who has such a privilege thank God on his knees and declare it is grace, nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in fellowship with Christians. And of course we know at bon Bonhoeffer at the end of his life, he did not have this grace in his life. But he had written this book earlier in his life. And my prayer is that as a result of going through this time, we would never take for granted the gift that we have in being a part of the body of Christ. That we would do, as Bonhoeffer says here, that we would give thanks and declare it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in the fellowship with Christians. And so we're called the body of Christ. We're also called the family of God. John says in 1 John 3, 1 and 2, I, I'm just, we're going we're gonna to be going through selective scriptures today. So I want to encourage you just to write these down. 
text them down, whatever, you know, whatever you need to do. But, but write it down so that you can look at these things and meditate on these things for yourself later. But 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And so we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can go to God and call him Father. It's an incredible thing. You who were once enemies of him now can go through the blood of Jesus Christ, can go and say, our Father who art in heaven, right? He is our Father and as such we are brothers and sisters. I don't know what your physical family has been like, but if you've been separated for a while, a healthy family wants to do what? Gather together, right? They actually want to see each other. That's a healthy family. And, and you'll even, I remember when we were living in L.A., we had family coming down all the time. Now, I mean, it was L.A. There is like seven months of winter here. But I think it was because, I think some of what it was, because they loved us, right? And, and, um, and, and they would come and, and, and you, know, you know, today... It would be the same, even with Skype, even with Zoom. Why? Because there's just something that's so much better about coming together, right? And so healthy families do that. We see examples of this in the, in the, in the Scriptures over and over again. Let me give you just a few examples. Second John 12, John says, Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. Three, uh, third John 14, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Romans 1, 9 to 12, Paul says this, For God is my witness, whom I serve with the Spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart, impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. When we come together, there's this encouragement. There's this strengthening that happens and recognizing you're not all alone. You're a part of the family of God. I can continue on with the analogies. The church being the temple Ephesians 2.22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are now citizens of heaven, right? We're going to be together for eternity, okay? Forever we will be together, right? And, and so we celebrate that even now, today. So that's the analogies that God gives us. There's no you know, like individual things going on with any of these analogies. Do we see that? Like you are a part of something. If you are a Christian, you are a part of something that you are very necessary to be engaging in each and every, every day as a believer. So what is the benefit of regathering? The benefit of regathering. Having established that we need each other, that God has called us to gather together, what should it look like? Again, I encourage you just to write these scriptures down. But John 17, 
John 17, 20 to 23. Jesus praying. He prayed for you and I. He says, I do not ask for these only, that being his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that we may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. As the people of God, we are united through our new identity in Jesus. We are to be united in his truth. We are to be in, united in our new in identity in him as children of God, as members of the body of Christ. And as we are united in that way, what does it show the world? That we are in Christ that we are in the Father, and that we are loved by Him. Ephesians 4, 4 4-6 says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are united because God is over us all. We all have the same Spirit of God living within us, and it is the Lord that we all seek to bring glory to as He works through us. When we are embracing our oneness together, it becomes an effective evangelistic tool. Jesus said it would result in the world knowing that God has sent Jesus and that the Father has loved us even as He loved the Son. So what should we be committed to then as one body? Well, let's look at Acts 2, 42 to 47. Acts 2, 42 to 47. It says that as the church gathered together, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number Day by day, those who were being saved. And so in the beginning, they were, they were devoting themselves to the study of the Old Testament and to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is what we now have in the New Testament. The Word was central every, every time they gathered together. And I want to just encourage you, whether it's in like this or whether you're getting together at your home, let the Word always be central. Let us be always speaking His truth to one another. His word is such a gift to each one of us, and we need to stay focused upon that. But I also want to highlight, when we gather like this, and and we hear the word together in such a way as this, there's like a supernatural thing that God does. Now, let's be honest. Like, when we're watching online, I couldn't stand it, to be honest. I don't know. (laughs) Watching myself, that is, right? Um, and, and I was like, oh, I got to go get a coffee. But maybe you were like me, right? 
All right, like, like, you know, nobody's watching. We're at home. Well, you know, go grab a cup. Well, I can kind of, you need a little bit of a snack. I can kind of hear what's going on still, right? And, you know, but even if you were like focused right in, it still's not the same. There's something supernatural that happens when we gather together and the word is proclaimed in this moment, at this time, and then God presses it, that word into our hearts, Right? It's just not the same over uh, online. And so when we come together, we make the word the focus. And again, I'm not downplaying what we had to go through, but I know, I don't even know guys that they, they, they were breaking down emotionally after preaching. They'd stare at that camera. I'm so glad I don't have to stand 10 feet away from the camera and stare at it today. It, but it was, it was, it was hard emotionally. It really was. And, 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 and so I think it was right that guys were breaking down. Why? Because if you're okay with it, you probably shouldn't be a pastor, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know, be a televangelist or something. But like, right? But, but like, you should want to see the people when you're preaching the word of God and want, you know, like longing that they would understand these truths together, that together we would grow in him. And so that, as the church gathered, that was a focus for them. As they gathered together, there's this amazing fellowship that they had. They, they had a shared life, a shared purpose, a shared love, a shared ministry, a shared truth, right? And they were doing life together. The Bible uses the word koinonia, right? It means fellowship. How sad that for us, when we think about fellowship, it's like a snack and a few, you know, a little chit-chat going on. Fellowship means we're doing life together in every way. Maybe the best way to think about it is like, like a military, right? Like no man left behind kind of mentality. Like that's the way the church should be thinking about one another, How's everyone doing? You're spending time thinking about that. Hey, I know Bob lost his job and I think they're kind of getting by, but let's just, let's just bless them and, and just give them a gift card so they can go out, right? So that, because I know things are tight, so let's bless them this way. You know, I, I've heard they're discouraged. I'm gonna call, I'm gonna, maybe today, now, I'm gonna go over and we're gonna have a social distancing talk, right? And we're, we're gonna, I'm gonna pray with them but you're always thinking about one another. How can I help them go from here to here in their spiritual walk? This is what we have together. This is what the Churley Church was committed to. And so they were selling off their possessions to help someone else who didn't have enough. They're doing whatever it would take to take care of one another. That should be our goal. That's what we should be doing together. We see as they continue on here in that text that they were, they were, they were, Singing, they were encouraging one another. They were praising the Lord together, singing spiritual songs, as Colossians 3.16 says. They were bearing one another's burdens. And MacArthur says this, we are not just one kingdom, not just one family, but one body, the most intense way to describe the dependency of the fellowship of the church. And in all honesty, I ask the question, is that really the contemporary evangelical view of the church? Is that how we view the church? 
In my experience, the majority of people think it's something you do for an hour on Sunday morning, you do the check mark, and then you maybe come back next week if you're not busy. But that's not what the scriptures say. We're in this together. Let me just give us some more uh, verses here to encourage us. Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let us hold the fa- hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us what? Consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Are we doing that? Are you considering how to stir one another to love and good works? Not neglecting to meet together. Not even back then, just encouragement maybe. Even back then, that was a thing where they're like, eh, maybe we don't need to get together. He's like, no, don't do that, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Are we in the fourth quarter? Hockey. Are we in the third period? Okay, a couple of minutes left in the class. I don't know. Whatever the analogy, we don't know. We don't know. But I think all, uh, one thing I'm clear on watching what's happened the last three and a half months, it won't take much for the world to embrace falling one man who would say, I got a great idea for us all. We can just get rid of those Christians. We'll be set, right? Like, it's not going to take much. And who knows when the Lord's coming back, but it's kind of, yeah, I believe he's going to come back soon and we need to be ready as the scriptures have been teaching us over and over again. When we come together, Philippians 2, 4, let each of you not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. As I'm reading that, I was just kind of, I was like, okay, it's interesting to me. Okay, and I'm not, I'm not making a statement, I'm just looking. So no one has masks on, okay? Edit that out, I'm kidding. Okay, but there's a thing right now, isn't there? And I think some in the body are pro-mask people. Is that a bad thing? Go like this, please, okay? They're, they're really convinced it's something we really should be doing. Okay, that's good. Let's be gracious to one another then, okay? And pro-mask people need to be gracious. We're like, I'm just, I'm okay right now, right? I'm, I, I got the appropriate social distance. I feel like I'm okay, right? Like, I've been at home basically for the last three and a half months. I had, I'm not in a dangerous, whatever, right? But let's be gracious to one another in these things, So much grace is needed. And so, as this text says, let us not look only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's our focus each and every day, encouraging one another, building one another up. And then we need to be protecting one another. Hebrews 3 12 to 14, protecting one another. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Take care. Be careful. Listen up. It's possible that your heart could be twisted. It could be deceived, and you could start falling away. Be warned, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence from the end. We need to be protecting one another. This, again, was one of the hardest things over the last three and a half months. Is like, I don't know how everyone's doing. I don't. I, I, I'm not, I, don't I don't even get a chance to see them on Sunday mornings. I don't, 
I'm not sure how you're doing. And, and so I want to, if we can, again, re-engage in life, let us be in the habit of asking one another, how are you doing? How's your walk with Christ going? Are you in the Word? Are you struggling in any way? How can I be praying for you? Bonhoeffer says this, in this season I've come to the, come to the at times, uncomfortable realization that I need to experience what is lacking. It is important for me to mourn the absence of the gathering. If Christians brush past this in pursuit of a more positive approach, as I am wont to do, we risk stripping the gathering of its necessity and purpose. We are meant to meet together so that we can hug, not yet, eat, not yet, pray, laugh, sing, coming, listen, cry, and more together with our family. Letting myself feel what is lacking has led to a deeper understanding of my need for the gathered church and my identity as a member of Christ's body. I can continue on, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. We are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Why? So that we can be built up, not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Like watching the news, being on social media, like if you're in there, do you not have that feeling of being tossed to and fro? Right? Monday, here's the facts on COVID. Tuesday, 100% different facts, right? Like Evan, we felt that, and I get it. Like it's not, who wants that job, right? But don't you feel like this toss to and fro? But in Christ, we have the word of God. Let's be reminded that this truth has not changed. And so we come along one side one another and, and push one another, striving to be more like Christ. And then Galatians 6, 9, and 10 it's our privilege to serve one another. It says to do good, especially to the household of believers. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then let us have opportunity. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. Our faith is not only an assembling faith. It is a tangible faith that compels us to see, to hear, to touch to smell, to feel. The God who drew near to us compels us to draw near, not only to him, but to one another. When we've been forced to, to be apart from one another, it is incredibly difficult to do all that God asks of us. But as we move back to normalcy, let us strive to be together. Sproul says this, the Christian life is a corporate thing. For Christ places his redeemed people in the church to learn together, to grow together, to serve together, and to worship together. And then I want us to, just, briefly, I want us to focus on the beauty of what happens here on a Sunday morning. Maybe some things that we forget about as a result of it becoming a routine. Maybe one last thing. As we're faithful to do what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ, I want to again remind us of what Acts 2.47 says, and that they, there, there was added to the number daily those who are being saved. Like the more we do family right, the, where, the way that we do life together right, the more the world looks in, it's like something's different about those people. I wish I was a part of a community like that. How, right? It makes it attractive. And then you can say, well, it's not about us. It's about him. Can we tell you about him? And may God open their hearts and minds to who he is and bring them life. 
But then I want us to look at the beauty of regathering. The beauty of regathering. Why do we come together on Sundays? It's because the last 2,000 years, they're like, you know what? That was the day that the Savior rose from the dead. That was the day. As opposed to our calendar thinking, on the first day of the week, right? Saturday was Sabbath in Israel, and Christ rose on that first day. And so there came to be this huge shift in the way that society ran, right? Now we think of the first day of the week as Monday. Because why? Because the church has been gathering for the last 2,000 years on Sunday, And so every time we come together, there should be this thinking. We're gathering. Why today? Because he is risen. And we celebrate that every time we gather. He is risen. We have baptisms. And we have this this picture. And everything that we do, there's this past, present, future aspect. Right? With baptisms... Sometimes a little bit longer than should be, but we we look back on what has happened, right? Spiritually, something has happened in a person's life, and so they're standing in that baptismal tank. We're going to figure out how to do that because there's people ready to roll, okay? So we're going to have some baptisms here soon, but when they're standing there, they're telling you what has happened in their life, how they were dead in their sins, but that Christ has made them alive in him. His death and resurrection has become their death and resurrection. And so there's this this beautiful picture of them going down into the water, symbolizing that the old has passed away and now they come up and new life has come. And now they are part of this thing called the body of Christ. And so they, they celebrate that past. They say, this is what's going on in my life, but this is my hope now for the future is Jesus Christ risen from the dead. And then... I want us to stop and think about the Lord's Supper because we're going to partake together. Finally, we're going to partake together. Why do we remember the Lord's Supper? What's so significant about that? Why is it that our hearts have longed to do it together again? Well, I want us just to think about 1 Corinthians 13. Or sorry, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the Lord said, I know that my people need tangible, physical reminders. We see it in the Old Testament. Even even when they went and got the grapes in the promised land, right? Those grapes were to represent the hope of what was to come, right? And they missed it the first time around. The Passover meal, it was to remember that God freed the people out of slavery and oppression in a mighty way. And the bread that they ate was to be reminded that they went in haste. 
the, the blood over the doorway was to, to remember that, that death had passed them. And in the same way, there's these analogies in, in communion, right? The bread, it represents what? Christ's body broken for us. That because he died, we are now freed. But not freed from a nation. We're freed from sin, from the penalty of death, from the power of Satan through Jesus Christ. So as we celebrate his body broken for us, that tangible remember, remembrance, we're celebrating the gospel together every time we do that. And then we remember in his blood the new covenant, the new covenant in his blood, that the fulfillment has come of what Jeremiah and Ezekiel said, that we've been given a new heart and a new spirit, that there has been one sacrifice once and for all, no longer the need of the old covenant to sacrifice daily for sins. But through Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. That's what we celebrate through the bread and through the blood. His body broken, his blood shed. I love how Paul puts it, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed... Just the beginning of the cost. Was it someone that he had spent three years pouring into? One of 12, having those intimate times together. This man who had seen Judas, who had seen all of Christ's miracles, who'd heard all his amazing teaching, betrayed him for some money. And so we remember Christ's pain on that night, but we also remember that I too have a wicked heart. And if, if not for God's grace, I too would betray him. I too would fall away from him. And so there's even that reminder as we come together and we partake of this physical bread and cup. It's like, God, thank you for grace for another week that I'm still a part of the body of Christ because of your grace and your mercy in my life. And then he says that we proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim the gospel every time. And as we proclaim, yes, we, we appreciate the pain, but we proclaim in joy because he is risen from the dead. He has made a way that we can be reconciled to him, but he is risen and guess what? This past, present, future, he's coming back again. That's what he says at the end. We proclaim until he comes. And so as we partake of this supper, we remember there's another supper coming. The marriage supper of the Lamb that's spoken of in Revelation 19. When we, will gather, excuse me, when we will gather together with all the saints at this amazing banquet, Jesus said that he would not drink of the vine again until that day. In John, it tells us that he has departed and he is preparing a place for us. And so we anticipate that day and what a need for us today. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm about ready to go bonkers sometimes. Like I wake up and I'm like, I kind of not watch the news. I keep saying this to folks, right? 
But if you watch what's going on, if you, you could get so wrapped up in it. But what you and I as believers need to get wrapped up in is that we are the redeemed. That today we have hope, not for just for today, but for all of eternity. And that we are not in this cycle of life, but we are on a path where we have now been redeemed and we one day, your future will be sitting at a banquet table with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so that's what we do as we gather for the Lord's Supper. It's a beautiful thing. And we celebrate that we are one in Him. So everyone who partakes says, I'm in the body of Christ. I want your encouragement. I want your spurring on. I want, we're family. We're family, right? And so we're going we're gonna to act like family and we're going to take care of one another, right? And so we celebrate that together this morning as well. So we're going to do that. Let me pray for us and then I'll give us some instructions. God, thank you so much for this gathering together this morning. Lord, it is good, so good, to come together, to celebrate the glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this grace that you've given us. Thank you that we are part of the body of Christ. Lord, thank you that we are part of the family of God that, Lord, we never have to go through anything on our own. Lord, that you richly care for us through this thing called the body of Christ. Lord, for those today who are not able to be here because of, uh, of their concerns about the coronavirus and, and, and maybe being in more of a vulnerable situation, God, would you just encourage them that one day soon, Lord, they'll be able to gather together as well. God, help them to keep their eyes upon you, focused upon you. Lord, I thank you that, 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 that we are returning to some kind of normalcy of these things, that, Lord, we can fully embrace this, these roles that we've been given. And God, this morning now, as we partake together, Lord, we pray that you would just help us to examine our hearts. Where are we at, God? Lord, are we, is our hope fully in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is it is there, is there sin in our lives, Lord, that, we need, that we've been holding on to, that we need to repent of? God, help us to see that. And then, Lord, help us to rejoice in the hope that we have in you. Help us to keep our eyes on the fact that one day, one day soon, we will be at that banquet table with you. Lord, in the meantime, would you help us to be faithful? It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.